This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday, May the 27th, 2020. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you here on Daybreak three times per week. Coming up in just a little bit, I'll be joined by Charlie Potter, the outstanding beat reporter for us there at BOL, does a tremendous job covering the Alabama Crimson Tide on a daily basis. And the topic that we'll hit on primarily with Charlie today will involve the Alabama defense and will make the case for Alabama and whether or not it will be able to, for a second straight season, lead the SEC in takeaways. The Crimson Tide with a league-high 28 turnovers produced in 2019. A good bit of that production going out the door, but maybe not as much as I first suspected. So we'll get into that with Charlie coming up in just a little bit. But first, we've got some bookkeeping. We've got some housekeeping we're going to tend to with you here on the podcast Again, as anticipation continues to ramp up as we ready for a return to activities for student-athletes around the SEC beginning on June the 8th, I think the big story going into this thing and leading up to that date is logistics, uh, testing potentially. Obviously, testing is going to be a part of this thing. We know that. But what about tracing when cases begin to crop up? Because I really think it's unimaginable to think we won't have cases of some sort. Given the numbers involved of the individuals between student-athletes, between staff, uh, and then also considering the different corners of the country uh, that folks are going to be returning to SEC campuses from, you're also going to have the day-to-day operations Uh, to consider what's going to be allowed in terms of training. When you talk about numbers and workout groups, seven-on-seven potentially, those type of things, even how much training is going to take place inside workout facilities uh, around the SEC and other college campuses. Is it going to be a mandate that perhaps you get outside more uh, in the workout process? So much to consider, but look, We're just happy to have the consideration to give at this point, given the downtime and the moratorium that had been in place and has since been lifted here by the NCAA Division I Council here in the last week. So we've got a lot of that to continue to monitor for you. We'll do that, of course, at BamaOnline.com. You know what else is coming up in the next few days? Alabama both men's basketball and football on commitment watch, really throughout the remainder of the week. On the men's basketball front, you've got Nike Sabande, the Miami of Ohio transfer, who is considering the Alabama Crimson Tide, Nate Oates' program. And you saw Brian Snow, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Brian Snow, National College Basketball Recruiting Analyst for 247sports.com here in the last couple of days, he put in a crystal ball pick for the Alabama Crimson Tide and Nike Sabande. Sabande averaged right around 14 points and six rebounds 
in the 2019-2020 season up there in the MAC Conference. He is a six foot four guard, dynamic, explosive, seems to be a really good fit in terms of a 94-foot game like we know Nate Oates prefers. And along with Alabama, Sabande is giving consideration to Georgia, Arkansas, Georgetown, and Xavier. Uh, but it looks like, according to Brian Snow and others now, the Alabama Crimson Tide in good shape for Nike Sabande. Sabande is a guy who is going to sit out as a transfer the 2020-2021 season, but then have a year to play in 2021 and 2022. Nate Oates may still have some roster management to tend to, to sort of make this all work in terms of the 13 scholarships that you're allowed. But uh, a guy to keep an eye on for sure here in the next few days in Nike Sabande. Speaking of college hoops, by the way, did you see where John Rothstein, the college basketball insider for CBS Sports on Tuesday, tweeted out that Alabama and Houston have agreed to a home-and-home two-game series for the 2020, 2021, and 2021, and 2022 seasons? According to Rothstein's sources, Alabama will host Houston during the upcoming season at Coleman Coliseum here in Tuscaloosa before traveling to Houston for the return game the following season. You know, a lot of people associate the American Athletic Conference when it comes to men's basketball to say Cincinnati. And it's great, by the way, to see John Brannon, the former Alabama assistant under Anthony Grant, now in place as the head coach up there at Cincinnati, coming off a nice opening season on the job there. Um, and you also hear a lot of talk about Memphis, obviously, uh, with Penny Hardaway now in place up there as the head coach. And certainly on the recruiting front, that's been the case the last couple of years with Penny doing his thing up at Memphis. But it's actually been Kelvin Sampson's Cougars that have gone 20, uh, 56 and 12 overall the last two seasons and 29 and 7 in American Athletic Conference play. So Kelvin Sampson's been through a lot, put himself through a lot. Uh, with the NC2A and uh, had some tumultuous times uh, on the college level as a head coach, but he has landed nicely at Houston and has done a really good job with the Cougars. And of course, if you're my age and you hear Houston and you hear men's basketball, you think of a five slam a jamma. You think of Clyde Drexler. You think of Akeem Olajuwon. You can go back into the mid 80s for some of those great, great teams under the late Guy Lewis on the bench for the Houston Cougars back in the day. Now, from a commitment watch standpoint where football is concerned, that's where you're going to talk more about Ian Jackson, who on Thursday has a commitment scheduled, the four-star linebacker from Prattville, Alabama. Crystal balls at this point overwhelmingly in Alabama's favor. Six foot one, 210 pound, Again, four-star, you know, based on those measurables, I would think that he's more of a projection at inside linebacker than outside linebacker. But what you know about Ian Jackson is that this is a guy who can play in space. He can cover. You know, so he projects as a potential every-down option at inside linebacker, maybe more along the lines of a C.J. Mosley when you think about big-picture potential for Ian Jackson at the linebacker position, assuming he does follow through and commits to Alabama and ends up in Tuscaloosa. 
It's been a pretty strong pipeline into Prattville throughout the years. Not so much here in recent years. Maybe that's more of Alabama getting outside the state, but you know, some of those early Nick Saban teams, strong, strong contributions when you think back to, to Prattville. Remember Bobby Greenwood, that defensive line? What about Travis McCall? Started out as a defensive lineman at Alabama, ended up at tight end. Uh, really good blocker on that 2008 team with Glenn Coffey pounding the rock behind uh, Travis McCall and, and Andre Smith in that 2008 season. You got Ty P. Ryan, the walk-on punter currently at Alabama, Prattville High product. O.J. Howard was a Prattville guy, more of a Tog Academy, though. But it looks like Ian Jackson could be the latest to make that drive up Highway 82 from Prattville to Tuscaloosa. Alabama, by the way, already has, as we know, a linebacker commitment for the 2021 class in Deontay Lawson of Mobile. Now, Lawson, he is one of those guys that you think about as a potential cross trainer between outside linebacker and inside linebacker. And we all know what Alabama did in that 2020 recruiting class, most recently at both the inside and outside linebacker positions. So, the Crimson Tide continues to stockpile some impressive talent at the linebacker position. Again, this is assuming that the crystal balls come to fruition and Ian Jackson on Thursday follows through with a commitment. By the way, if you want a really, really good outline of Alabama's linebacker recruiting as it sits right now, Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BOL, some really good stuff on Tuesday as he takes an extensive look at Alabama's linebacker targets for the 2021 class. You're going to see Deontay Lawson in there. You're going to see Ian Jackson. You're going to see Dallas Turner of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, St. Thomas Aquinas High School. Of course, Xavier Sori of Graceville, Florida. A lot of great stuff and a VIP piece from Hank South there on the website. You can still find it. He posted it on Tuesday. Still ready for you there at BOL. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Charlie Potter will join me here on Daybreak and we'll make the case as to whether or not Alabama, for a second straight year, could lead the SEC in takeaways. Charlie's coming up next on Daybreak on a Wednesday right after this. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. And so let's do it. Charlie Potter, outstanding beat reporter for us there at BamaOnline.com, joins Daybreak on this Wednesday now. Charlie, as we look at an Alabama defense from a year ago that while it had its struggles, taking away the football wasn't among them. An SEC best 28 takeaways for Alabama in 2019 looking at what Alabama must replace on the defensive side of the ball. It's interesting to consider if the Crimson Tide might be able to sort of reach that level once again in 2020. And when I start with the 28 takeaways, Charlie, I look at interceptions first and foremost, I guess. And for me anyway, even though the number 
of departing interceptions is 12 of the 17. I actually thought it was going to be higher than that. I really did. But um, still a considerable number, though, all things considered. Yeah, when you think about it, um, I believe 15 of those interceptions came from defensive backs. I know Shane Lee had a pick. I think the other one was Anthony Jennings. But the the top of the board, uh, guys like Xavier McKinney, Trayvon Diggs, Jared Maiden, uh, they had 10 between the three of them. So I agree with you. You know, when you're just going through and, and looking at the numbers, you would think it'd be a little bit more. But, you know, that's good news for Alabama. They have guys like Patrick Sertan, the second coming back. Uh, guys like Jordan Battle and Josh Job, um, you know, should be taking on bigger roles, and they all uh, contributed in that column last year. So uh, you're going to have to have some guys step up. Um, you know, you're looking at players like a Daniel Wright, uh, maybe a Demarco Helms at Money. Um, you got to figure out what happens, you know, close to the line of scrimmage at corner and star with players like uh, maybe a Ronald Williams, the newcomer, the junior college transfer, Jalen Armour Davis, or you know, a dark horse candidate out there, but. They have guys that have you know been in the program, guys that have played football like uh, like Ronald Williams. So uh, I think that they'll be in good shape. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. You just kind of look through the list and you're like, wow, I thought it would be a little bit more than what's leaving uh, than, than it actually is. Yeah, it's considerable. Don't get us wrong here. I mean, Maiden had four, Diggs had three, McKinney had three, Carter and Anthony Jennings with one apiece. That adds up to twelve. But you had four different guys that at least contributed to that total that will be back. Patrick Sertan, the second with two Jordan battle had his one and only interception of the season. And in his very first game for Alabama against Duke there in Atlanta, Josh Job coming back had an interception uh, against Michigan in the, in the citrus bowl, Shane Lee with an interception. Um, and then you look at fumble recoveries to kind of fill out those 28 takeaways, 11 of those, uh, and you return a majority of the guys that produced for you in that area as well. Shane Lee, Christian Harris with a couple, Sertan, Battle, Job, DJ Dale were all guys that came up with loose footballs in 2019. McKinney, Diggs, Lewis, those guys made up for the four that you're losing in the area of fumble recoveries. But again, um, so when you add it up, you're talking about of those uh, of those 28 takeaways a year ago, uh, 16 of them have moved on. But again, that's that's still a, a doable number. I, I guess what you have to consider here too is that you know a guy like Dylan Moses may be able to to fill that void a little bit too at the linebacker position. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I mean, you know, Xavier McKinney was all over the field. Uh, Shaheem Carter's versatile. Trayvon Diggs had a nose for the football and scored. A couple of touchdowns. Jared Maiden had a, a great year uh, just in terms of, of forcing turnovers, especially from an interception standpoint. But, you know, you, you look at the Mike linebacker position and, and Shane Lee is not really well known for his coverage ability. And if you put a guy in there like Dylan Moses, I, I think that amps that up a little bit. And then you take a guy like, say, if Christian Harris feels, uh, still plays the, the will position, you're talking about a former cornerback. So you, you had to feel pretty, pretty good about um, – the the coverage standpoint that you have as an inside linebacker position and then like you know we, we mentioned the, the guys that are stepping into roles um a lot of them are going to be guys that have been in the program for a little bit i know ronald williams is coming from a, a great uh, junior college uh, up there in hutchinson in kansas so you know, they got guys with ability but i think yeah i agree wholeheartedly it it starts with dylan moses having him back on the field 
I think will do wonders for this defense. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him uh, make up uh, a lot of ground in that department, help a lot of guys out because they'll obviously be looking away from, from number 32 a good bit. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that he can be disruptive and, and help them get back to that number. Kind of an extension of all this is you talk about Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings and the help they provided the back end and being able to get pass rush on a consistent basis, especially when you're looking at a defensive line a year ago that really wasn't adept in that area. So that's a concern when you consider 2020 and the potential for takeaways and that you got to refill those edge pass rush positions vacated by Jennings and Lewis and kind of takes you to the opposing quarterbacks that Alabama is going to see during the upcoming season as well. Charlie, and you think about Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond is like a unicorn in today's college football. When you, when you, when you consider a, a, a high level power five quarterback, you know, Alabama barring injury or something unforeseen totally, Kellen Mond's going to make his fourth career start against Alabama in November. That's just something you don't see these days all that much, right? I tried to go back and find another quarterback, even in the Nick Saban era, that has made four straight starts against Alabama. I had Dak Prescott with three, Nick Fitzgerald with three, Brandon Allen of Arkansas with three, Bubba Wallace of Ole Miss with three. I couldn't find another guy, Charlie that has made four starts against Alabama in the Saban era. And for the most part, I'd say Mon's done a good enough job of taking care of the football. He's thrown three interceptions and in four and three career starts against Alabama. Didn't have one last year in college station. He's put the ball on the ground a couple of times too, though, against the Crimson Tide. So I start with Kellen Mond and then I kind of go from there. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about how he's been there for four years or at least will be making his fourth start against Alabama barring an unforeseen occurrence. It, it feels like he's been in college station <laughs> for like seven years. But uh, that's, that's you know, kudos to him for a, a long and, and prosperous college career. And, um, yeah, I think a guy like Jerry Garantano, I feel like he's played against Alabama a lot too. He has. He's, he's taken yeah. some bumps. I just think about Rashawn Evans, um, you know, power driving him into the ground as well. But, you know, it, it is. It'll be interesting to see what happens from these um, quarterbacks because obviously we don't know what the season opener will look like yet, uh, with kind of the the whole California situation up in the air. But they have a good one in Slovis. Um, you'll you'll get an early look at at the the Newman kid from Georgia in week three and what he brings yeah. to the table and what that offense can look like. So um, there's not a lot of um, just I guess big threats. I have, Kellen Mond's the most experienced player. And he's a guy that takes care of the football. So I think, yeah, mentioning him first and foremost is um, is smart. Um, but, you know, a guy like Bo Nix will be uh, coming to Bryant-Denny for the first time. We'll get to see uh, Miles Brennan run LSU's uh, offense if everything plays out like they're talking uh, down in Baton Rouge. And, you know, Tennessee has a ton of quarterbacks. They have to figure out what to do with them, Garantano being one of them. And you know, the list goes on and on. But, um, yeah, I mean – what you can do to affect those quarterbacks is important. And you mentioned the guys up front. If you can get a guy like a Christian Barmore to be disruptive, which is a word that uh, his trainer and a lot of people have used to describe him, that helps with those turnovers. You're forcing that quarterback into bad decisions. You're maybe getting a strip sack guys off the edge doing the same. If, if those guys up front can help out the back end, uh, these turnovers we're talking about can be more uh, plentiful uh, down the road. 
I, I think the scenario I'm most fascinated by, though, is the one that you touched on with Keaton Slovis of USC because Slovis was outstanding as a true freshman in 2019. Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator at SC, his background – his foundation in the air raid offense. SC brings back multiple talented wide receivers. I think SC, if that opener comes off, Charlie, isn't going to be afraid to test Alabama on the back end and see if those guys that are stepping in for Trayvon Diggs and Shaheem Carter and the two safety positions um, are, are, are capable of making them pay via the takeaway. I think we're going to find out a good bit right off the right off the bat. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, or God knows how long it's been now, but we, we've been doing polls on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I asked uh, the, the guys over at BOL who they thought would leave the team in interceptions. And, you know, obviously you, you put a guy like Patrick Sertan on the list, but a lot of them talked about how with him being the veteran back there, uh, teams are going to throw away from him. I think if Alabama and, and uh, USC actually end up playing in that season opener in Arlington. I think it could be a quiet day for number two because there's going to be a lot of new faces in that back end that Slovis and the offense are going to try to take advantage of. Guys like Josh Job, if he's on the boundary, um, you know, a guy like Ronald Williams and what could be his first start at Alabama. Uh, those, those safeties, I know Jordan Battle played quite a bit last year, but not really in a in a prominent role and. Uh, uh, Daniel Wright, whoever's back there outside of number two, I think is going to get a lot of uh, attention. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a lot of shots early and often. Yeah, the quarterback situation across the schedule, again, very interesting because you have experience in Kelamon, you have a dynamic player in Slovis, you have another experienced player, as you mentioned, and Jared Guarantano made starts against Alabama in 2017 and 2018 off the bench a year ago to the chagrin of Tennessee fans, especially after that fumble on the goal line where Jarrett kind of went hero ball on Jeremy Pruitt and the balls there. And Trayvon Diggs, by the way, very appreciative of that decision. You know, Bo Nix is probably going to be one of those guys, Charlie, that, that makes four career starts. Cause I don't really see Bo Nix as a three and out. I don't know about you, uh, what do you think there? The possibility of Bo Nix by the time you know he moves on, we're going to think that he pretty much replaced his dad as the starting quarterback at, at Auburn. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, he he had a, a strong freshman year. I believe he was the freshman of the year in the, the league. Uh, I know some people disagree with that, but you can't you know, argue with what he was able to do to lead them to wins, including a win over Alabama and, and Jordan Hare. But he's a guy that, yeah, unless he just has a you know, monster sophomore and junior year and, and starts to really air the ball out more, he's a guy that will play a lot of football against Alabama. And uh, I know you know that defense, they're, they're going to want to seek out revenge, and it helps that they're going to be in Bryant-Denny. But uh, he'll be another year older, another year, um, have another year to be more comfortable in that offense. And uh, we'll see what they can do with the likes of Chad Morris as offensive coordinator and, uh, you know, getting some guys back uh, around him. I know they have to replace quite a bit, but, um, you know, having your quarterback back helps. But, uh, yeah, that's the one that I think it's one of the more interesting ones because he didn't do just a ton against Alabama this past season, but he did enough. It seemed like any time they had a third and long situation, you know, Bo Nix was able to make a play against that defense. And you know, you're going to want to stop that uh, this time around for sure. Yeah, I didn't have Sal Canella in the touchdown catch pool in the <laughs> Iron Bowl, by the way. 
Um, you mentioned Jamie Newman, too, at Georgia. He threw 11 interceptions last year at Wake Forest, so that'll be something to keep an eye on when the dogs hopefully visit Bryant-Denny Stadium. You still have Ole Miss to sort of figure out, John Rice Plumley, Matt Corral, Lane Kiffin going in there. You know Lane's going to have a quarterback ready, though, and he's not going to be afraid to challenge anybody with his quarterback. So a lot of interesting scenarios to sort of play out. I don't know if at the end of the day, Alabama is prolific as it was a year ago when it comes to takeaways. I think Pete Golding would take a few fewer takeaways to be better in the red zone and even on third down. Those were a couple of areas where Alabama probably struggled more than anything else on the defensive side of the ball. I do know this, though, Charlie. Nick Saban, any year you want to give him plus 18 in turnover margin, he's probably going to take that. And that's what Alabama was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, they were very sound on offense in terms of taking care of the football. They only had 10 uh, total turnovers a year ago. Six of those were interceptions. Um, you know, the guys that were running the ball just didn't really put it on the turf. Um, you know, that, that speaks a lot to Najee Harris, too, because he really became that workhorse and kind of his sporadic running style. You would think that with some of the ways he spins and, and flips and hurdles that maybe some guys would knock the football out, but he, he takes care of it. And uh, you get all those backs back. You get a guy like Trey Sanders in that mix and uh, a guy like uh, Mac Jones, who, who also, you know, outside that Auburn game and, you know, a couple of interceptions, one that maybe wasn't his fault. I and mean, he takes care of the ball, too. So uh, I think the offense helps out. But, yeah, I mean, defensively, I agree. Um, you know, they're going to have some talent back there. We haven't seen them practice because of no spring practice. We don't know really exactly how it will look. But they have the talented guys back there that can um, you know, force some turnovers. If the if the defensive front uh, holds their own and the, the, the backfield can really come together and, and mesh as a unit, I think they'll be in good shape. So um, yeah, I don't know if they'll do plus 18 again. Uh, that's pretty good. I think it's one of the tops in the country. I don't have the numbers right here in front of me. But, um, yeah, I think they'll take anywhere close to that for sure. Yeah, didn't turn it over a lot. But the two games that Alabama did turn it over, LSU and Auburn, still is reminiscent or resemblance of a acute case of appendicitis for <laughs> Alabama fans because they definitely were painful when they did do it. Hey, Charlie, always great stuff with us there at BamaOnline.com. I know you've got the latest update on Bryce Young and how he's sort of navigating this situation. His father appeared on the College Football Daily podcast, speaking of podcast, uh, that we do there at the home office at 24-7 Sports. Dot com. So if you haven't seen that, be sure to check that out on BamaOnline.com as well. And of course, we would really appreciate you subscribing to the Built by Bama Online podcast. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would be greatly appreciated as well. As always, Charlie, thanks for the help. No problem, man. It's good to catch up. There he goes. Charlie Potter, BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, senior analyst, thanking you once again for joining us here on Daybreak part of the Built by Bama online podcast. So long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.